was popping, was popping, was popping. Welcome, Nikki and Moose. I'm Nikki. That's Moose. What's up, Moose? What up, y'all? And welcome to episode one ten. Ten. <laughs> <laughs> One hundred and ten people. Yeah, I I can't get used to this big number stuff, but we have a lot to talk about. Of course, uh, we are going to talk about Elon Musk, Twitter, uh, the layoffs, the eight dollars to get verified. This good or bad? We're going to talk about the branding side of it and the business side of it. We're going to be talking about burner and the experience, and not so much of uh, the wholesaling, but just the true experience of having a brand. Uh, the true success of a brand, is it customers, is it products, is it status? What are we doing? Of course, we have our new seg- segments. I couldn't even talk. New segments, uh, this or that, and what you can live without. Moose, how are we feeling with this episode? This, this feels like the business of people, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I know y'all got you got you got to stay tapped into this, but there's a lot of business, but it's about people. So it's like the people of business, the business of people. Maybe that'll be the title. I don't know. Let's see. But I feel good about this. He feels good about it. So let's get into this intro. Two kids from Queens, cut from a different cloth. Now joining forces, helping you to elevate your personal brand. Yeah, I'm talking about Nikki and Moose, bringing you a never before seen perspective into the mindset, the mentality, the behaviors, the driving force, but more importantly, the stories behind the people and brands that you know and love the most. And of course, this episode is powered by Ecamm Live, the number one all-in-one streaming platform that allows you not only to stream on all social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, the whole nine. You're also able to pre-record and act as if it's a produced show. So your transitions, your pictures, your audio isolation, that's all included with Ecamm Live. So if you want your 14-day trial, go to www.nickyandmoose.com slash Ecamm. That's E-C-A-M-M. I almost forgot myself. Uh, to get your 14-day trial. That's it. Yes. Moose, how are we feeling? Man, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, um, our pre our pre show convo was a little interesting. Okay, that uh, puts you in touch back with reality. Okay, but um, overall, I feel pretty good, man. Honestly, I've been I've been tremendously blessed the last couple of months. Um, let me see what's new. I spent some time with the fam today. Uh, I almost said something that I'm. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I'm 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 gonna wait. Maybe it's fine. Week. He's yeah. fine, people. This yeah, is yeah. Another, another week. week. Another, another week. <laughs> another another week. week of the the just the simple part of Moose. How are you, yeah. Moose? I'm fine. Yeah. Where'd you go out? Outside. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, I was outside for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Shout out to yeah. Moose. Uh, for me, um, I'm Gucci. I'm still recovering from uh Jamaica for anybody who uh, goes to an all-inclusive um, resort, you're going to gain weight. This just happens. 
Shout out to the last time. Everybody knows the infamous. I gained one pound a day. I didn't do that this time, but I gained a lot of pounds. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you gained any because you said the food wasn't all so, that. So, so I okay. was like, oh, no, you good. No, 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 no. But that means I had to resort to fries and burgers. Mm. And so, so you went to even worse food. Right. Right. So it wasn't really good food, but I'm, I'm back to my normal weight. So we're good. So we're just chubby. We're not extremely chubby. We're just chubby. So we're good. We're awesome over here. Right? That's a good setup going into the winter. You know what I'm saying? Uh, just chubby going into the yeah, winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. If you can maintain chubby, you're warm. You feel me? Like you're not. Mm. See? Like that. See? I'm just. Like that. Shout out to all my chubby like people. We're out here. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Besides that, um, yeah, everything else is good. Everything else is good. I don't let things stress me out anymore. Shout out to the no stress people. Okay? Not oh, let man. Nothing stress me out anymore. It's no point. Um, it's just no point. Just people. Just no point. Just understand it. All right. So let's get into this episode. So, uh... Of course, we have our segment, What's Poppin', and it wouldn't be What's Poppin' if we're not talking about Twitter, this Elon Musk thing. So from my side, uh, everybody's been talking about, is Elon Musk going to charge for the blue check? For those people who don't know what the blue check is, it is the little check that says that you're verified. So that... Nobody says this is the fake account. This is the real account because you have the blue check, right? Now, Elon Musk is saying you're going to have to pay $8 for this blue check. So anybody who pays $8 can get a check. Now, that has brought up a lot of conversations Based off, well, if anybody can get a blue check, if anybody paid this $8, what is so important, right? Why would you do this? Why would you pay for that? It actually devalues things. So I found a clip of where he's he's going with this situation and why he's charging people. And my thoughts changed a little bit if this is true. So let's uh, listen and watch. What I'm trying to achieve with this sort of um, enabling everyone to, to be payment verified with, with Twitter Blue is to try to get as many people payment verified as possible. Part of it's revenue, part of it is payment authentication. And so if somebody, uh, because there is a huge problem with spam and, and bots and trolls on, on Twitter and organizations trying to manipulate a public opinion. Um, and just, just generally making the system worse. I think, but I think that there is an answer to that, which is to, to get um, as many uh, regular users of Twitter to um, be a, a subscriber for $8 a month. And you'll get a lot more than just the blue check mark for $8 a month, because now we can afford long form video, long, long audio podcasts. Um, and we can also start sharing revenue with, with content creators, which is essential. So, if that is all true, then I am for this, right? It's it's now not about necessarily a blue check. 
And it's not about being verified. It's all about the different features that it's going to allow you to do compared to what Twitter does now. Twitter allows you to do only about two minutes or so, except if you are like a special uh, account, but two minutes or so for video, right? Uh, They have been talking about podcasting. They have been testing out that kind of situation. Uh, And of course, to pay creators when Twitter isn't necessarily a revenue generating platform, they only get it from like, let's say, uh, big advertisers. But the problem with it is people are not feeling the Elon Musk leadership right now, right? And there has been a lot of celebrities and a lot of big brands that have either stopped advertising or got off the platform in just general because of this huge change. Now, like I said, if this $8 for Twitter Blue, because right now Twitter Blue's I think about $4.99, and it allows you to uh, edit your tweets and some other features, but nothing compared to what Elon was talking about. If the $8 allows you to have these different features and actually gets rid of the need of being verified, right? And I see the pros and cons of being verified, right? The, the, the stress and the want that society has to be verified to where some people have been scammed to pay thousands of dollars, hundreds and thousands of dollars to get verified and get scammed off of it. And it's nothing that we can really tangibly hold it's just a status vibe. And he's trying to say, yo, it's, it's not about status anymore. Not, not on this platform. I find that okay, right? I don't find that bad. Now, there does need to be kind of a way to, like, show the difference between the, all these fake stuff and the real account. If he's saying, well the fake accounts are not going to pay $8. I'm not sure if that's all the way true, right? Like I feel like a random person, a random catfish can go buy Twitter blue and call themselves, uh, uh, Nikki Saunders. And now there's two Nikki. You don't even know who's who. Right. So I think there's some, Good, and then there's some huge concerns about this new Twitter blue policy. Now, when it rolls out, there's still no talks about that. But I do see a good and a bad side, and I will be testing out Twitter blue. I will say that. Not for the verification, but more for the different features that it is going to allow. And I love going into platforms that are considerate of the creator economy. And that's what he said at the end. And if it's true, you can get my $8. I'm okay with that. Mm. If it's true, the second is not, and you take too long doing it, I'm out. I'm out. Interesting. But I mean, 
Yeah, I just thought it was interesting because there's his reasons for adding the fee. None of them included safety. He said revenue Mm -hmm. and payment authentication. Like, okay, so those are both money moves. They're not whatsoever related to protecting or making sure you get the I don't I don't understand how that will include. So I'm I'm with you on that. Look, it's it's too early to speak, but I would have liked to see some form of security feature cuz you're right. $8 is not a big barrier where someone who's dedicated especially I don't know if you've seen somebody's Netflix specials about people who catfish others online and steal hundreds and thousands of dollars. Really? It, oh, it's bananas. So it's like that's a pretty small. That's a pretty small fee for some of these people who are looking at the catfish thing as a business. Right, mm-hmm. Oh, eight bucks to do this. That's a that's an easy game for them. So, right. yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. We gonna we gonna have to see. But um, you know, I thought it was a little interesting. Obviously, on on my end of things, of course, from a business standpoint, uh, I gotta keep keep it right here and talk about Elon. But with him firing people, mm-hmm. uh, obviously is not is not uh the best thing to talk about but it needs to be talked about because when you look up when you just search the term business news it's the only thing that comes up mm. right so he tweeted something just a day before when we recorded this which is uh friday and he said regarding twitter's reduction in force unfortunately there is no choice when the company is losing over four million dollars a day everyone exited was offered three months of severance, which is 50% more than legally required. Hmm. So he's let go of 50% of Twitter's staff mm-hmm. in what is about, I think, one or two weeks since he's taken over the company, not to mention some of the other people he's fired, including the CEO. So he is letting people go That's left and right. Literally, left and right. Now, it's interesting because the former founder and CEO of, of Twitter, or I guess he was the owner, Jack Dorsey, he's, he put out a tweet and he was apologizing, saying that, in, to his, that that was also partly his fault because he let the company grow too big. And I don't understand where that's going, where he's going with that. But anyways, as this stands, look, I think it's never easy when you have to let people go in the business, right? Obviously, you're talking about people's lives literally having to change in a blink of an eye, especially when you work for a company like Twitter. Obviously, you probably hang your hat on, on such an accomplishment. But to anytime people have to go in a business, that's not a, that's not a good thing. I will say this, though. While I don't necessarily agree with what what he did, because we don't know the truth behind the facts that he's sharing. Is the company actually losing $4 million a day? I don't know. I don't know the facts behind it. If it is, that's crazy. Now, the approach, I agree with the approach. And here's why I say that. And uh, I, I think of, I think of, people who stagger in the middle and kind of allow people to die like a slow death. Right. It's like, what? <laughs> it's just like, yo, let's what? just, let's just take our time with this. 
No, it's funny because my attorney's telling me something. He said, he said, look, it's always good to know where somebody stands. You want to know if they like you or if they dislike you. Mm -hmm. The worst is to be in a situation where you don't know what the other person is thinking. And so I agree with the approach in the sense of like, hey, we know we have to make a change. Let's do it immediately. Let's not try and do it little by little so we don't get media attention and maybe upset some people who might have uh, maybe uh, invested in our company or things like that. So I agree with the approach in terms of this is what we identified as a problem. Let's cut it immediately. Now, again, I'm saying I don't like the fact that it had to come in the form of layoffs or firing people, right? That's never a good thing. But the approach I do agree with. Only time will tell, of course, are these facts that he talked about accurate and true? Is the company losing $4 million a day? That stands to be seen. Will the $8 per month really help to bring in a tremendous amount of revenue and take spammers and bots off the platform? We shall see. I mean, it's, I think it's just really turning Twitter into a paid social media channel. That's really all it is. If there's all these free platforms, you come over to Twitter, um, you're paying for it now. That's, that's all he's turning it into. Am I agreeing of it? I am mad at it. It's, it's a change we're not used to. Right. I think my, my concern and is my true concern is that if it honestly works, does that mean the other social media platforms will do the same? Need to go paid? Hmm. Yeah. I won't be surprised. I think there was always a thought in early content creators minds that this won't be free forever just because of how much money was tied to it. So it's like, there's no way it's going to remain free. There was a lot of doubt. And I think the fact that big platforms like Facebook, Instagram, even TikTok are completely free, it is, it is a bit bananas. Yeah. We'll see what happens. We shall see. All right, people. Let's get into this uh, new segment of things uh, I could live without. So, the first one, of course, paying for Twitter. <laughs> Could you live without that, right? Is Twitter that deep for you that uh, you will pay it? Or, l listen, you're not even interested. I don't even use Twitter anyways, right? So, paying for Twitter. The second thing is uh, Baskin-Robbins bringing back uh, turkey cake. For Thanksgiving. What? Like literally a, a cake that is a turkey is coming back. The flavored, is it flavored turkey? I, that's what I want to know. Is so it flavored weird. turkey? Because that's weird. That's I think absolute. so. Is it? That is, it is and it's weird. <sighs> okay. So are you, could you live without that? And the last one, which I'm so over. Uh, <laughs> McDonald's bringing back. McRib back for the final farewell, fair, farewell, wow, farewell there it is. tour. Yep, farewell. Say that five times. I mean, um, McDonald's is bringing the McRib back 
Uh, do we care? Could we live without it? Did we even live with it ever? How about that? Mm. Did we live? Did you ever have one? No, never. I, I believe it's pork and I don't. Ah, I, there you I, go. I've never lived with it. I've yep. never lived with it. There you go. Uh, um, yeah. And I never had one. Um, and it keeps leaving and I have abandonment issues. So just go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So uh, oh, man. in the comments, uh, tweet us. Hello. Tweet us. Um, email, whatever you want to do, however you want to respond to this. What could you live without paying for Twitter? Baskin Robbins coming out with a turkey cake. Um, and then the McRib. Let us know. Now, of course, it's time for the blueprint, right? This is where we look at some of uh, the greats, uh, some high-respected influencers, CEOs that are doing it and breaking it down for how the regular smegular people like us can learn and uh, use it for our brands and businesses, right? So in this week, I have been uh, super in love with Burner, okay? Who is Burner? Um, he is now, uh, according to Forbes, I believe, but he is now uh, in the top five most paid hip-hop uh, individuals, okay? So we had... Of course, Jay-Z, Diddy, uh, Ye, but he came in number four. Burner came in number four and Dr. Dre was number five. So this is all because of cannabis, people, right? Um, but we're not going to focus on that. So don't think that we're going like, oh, y'all, y'all weed show right now. No, not that. But I could respect taking something that is so not popular um, to, to most and turning it into a, such a successful business that Forbes got to pay attention to you now, that they got to they gotta talk about this. Did you know, and I was watching, shout out to EYL, I was watching the EYL interview. Did you know that uh, when you do business in the cannabis world, you cannot do tax write-offs? Really? Yes. So all the the business expense and everything like that, the the marijuana business isn't as profitable as we may think because you can't write off none of that. It's part of a law. Interesting. I'm learning it's new gotta things. Got to be a real got to be a real hobby then if that's the case. Oh, uh, listen. This you got to find creative waves and this is what uh, Burner has done is found creative waves to to make money. Now, in in this segment, he's talking about the experience. So I think when we look at products and wanting to get it out to the masses, do we keep it within house or do we do things like wholesaling? And his answer to it and how he goes about cookies, which he just put uh a flagship store in New York just recently, I think a couple of days ago, depending when you listen to this, huge success and it was all merch, right? And, uh, but his experience and what he wants people to go through 
when they go into a cookie store is really dope. So let's listen to it. So many big stores open up with just a TV screen with the menu there and you're like, I gotta pick off that. Nah, the way it works at Cookies is you come in, you got a bud tender that's with you when you walk in. They, they walk you around, they explain any, any questions you have, they answer, they kind of show you what they recommend. And then you get sent off to a register to go purchase. So what we try to do now is instead of wholesaling to a bunch of stores, let's say we go to New York, for instance, right? If I put a Cookies flagship right here, I kind of look at it like a Nike town, right? Then I'll pick across the state, different different areas that we're not in, I'll put a corner. We call it the Cookies Corner. So we hire our own employees to represent that corner. We merchandise it a certain way. And so that way, if you go into another store to buy our product, you're kind of still getting a similar experience that we control. Like we want to control the experience. It's really about maintaining quality and integrity for our brands. So the reason why I love this is two things. One, experience creates your uniqueness, right? Depending on what you do with your brand and how you allow the customers to experience your brand, that allows you to stand out or not, right? You could be doing everything like everybody else. The main reason why uh, like a brick and mortar, when a brand has a brick and mortar and an online store where the brick and mortar can kind of suffer sometimes because there's not a unique experience between the two. If I could buy it online, I'm going to buy it online. Why am I going all the way into the store? Same way that we have to think about just brands in general where, well, if you're not different than any other store that I go into, why would I go into yours? So if he realized from the first part, oh, all these other uh, marijuana spots just has a TV, you get the menu, and that, and you just got to do it yourself, where now I'm making it a little bit more intimate. Now people want that experience, the same kind of Chick-fil-A kind of vibe. I'm going there because you, you're saying my name. I'm not just a number, right? You're, you're asking me how I am, everything like that. It's more personal, right? Whereas the other spots, uh, number 354, and I already threw out the receipt. I have no clue that this is my, this is my mm -hmm. order, right? So experience creates uniqueness, which allows us to stand out, right? So that's, so that's one part. Two, the not needing to do the wholesale completely, but when I do, I have full control like it's mine. That, when I heard that, he's like, yeah, you know, we do do the wholesale, but we still, like, we don't need to. I'm going to find, I'm going to partner over here, and I'm going to put the pillows, the merch, the sign, and everything. You're going to think it's a cookie store, but it's not. But you're going to think it is, right? And it doesn't just allow anybody to go into a place and be like, uh, okay, let me find, let me get this cookies brand. Let me get this. Let me get that. Like if it's not the experience, they don't want it. And they don't want any other store to, uh, kill the experience that cookies has like, and why I'm so fascinated about burner and, and, and the whole cookies brand is because it reminds me of a sneaker release. 
Because when there is a new strand that comes out, there's a line. When there's a new store, there's a line. He was explaining that, yo, there was a line for like three days in Miami. He brought up the tattoo person. People were getting uh, cookies, tattoos while they were waiting in line. Like it was just some super crazy, right? And like I said, like this first off, minority who is the leading person in the marijuana business right now. One says a lot and hence why we're covering it. Right. Um, we're, we're not covering anybody else in this. He is the top five most wealthiest hip hop person because of marijuana. That's crazy. But the attention to detail that he does when it comes to cookies, when it comes to like, okay, it was merch first, but we can't trademark cookies because, you know, they don't allow you to do that with marijuana. So we're going to do that with merch. We're going to be able to brand people weren't branding because this was done in like, uh, 2007, 2008, there weren't people that was finding a colorway putting a logo on it and just branding themselves. They were just, you know, having a bunch of bags because he comes from the uh, medical side of marijuana, right? And whatever you may think about it, this is not going back and forth about it, but I think looking at the unique experience that he's done with this can teach us, are we bringing an experience in our own brand? Like, are, do we have enough control of our brand that no matter where it goes, it has our stamp on it, it has our experience, it has uh, the consideration of the customers and how they receive it in mind at all times. I love it. I went a little rant. I apologize. I just feel very passionate about this because to see something like that, that has been going through ups and downs of legal situations and for it to be so successful done by a Hispanic, I'm, hmm. I'm so happy. Yeah. It's crazy. Cause I, I really didn't know much about him until, you know, you mentioned the podcast or the episode today. And, uh, the part that I, that I liked the most is what, what you talked about where, how he was able to get, the was it the copyright? How did the trademark? Was it? Trademark. trademark. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Where the, that he was able to get trademark through merchandise or through clothing instead of you know the path that he's on now, which is definitely interesting. But I do got to agree with the the first thing that you said. I have pretty much gave up on shopping in stores because of it's just so much more convenient online. I, I mean, literally, I, I went to the mall maybe a couple of weeks ago and I was like, I'm never doing this I, unless I absolutely have to. I don't think I want to anymore. Like I was really frustrated at how inconvenient it felt. And to think about what you're saying now, it's true. If stores would go out of their ways and think about how do you just make the experience a little bit more convenient for the consumer so that they can. At, because here's the thing, as a business, you know, you need 
the physical stores, mm -hmm. especially if you're a longstanding brand. You know, some of the, the bigger brands, obviously, like a Nike or whatever, that have been around forever. You know that the store, the physical presence of a store, it shows the brand's I don't know if it's reach or growth or whatever. Like you're accustomed to seeing certain stores everywhere you go. So you need the stores. Now it is no secret that you probably generate way more sales online than you do in stores in 2022. I'm willing to take a bet. That's probably the case across the board, but to still have the stores there, easing up all the expenses that they probably take from you, and not do anything with them or think about a way to innovate the experience in store so that, you know, folks can start to say, all right, I can shop online, certainly if I don't have time, but I still enjoy going to the mall. You know, like there was a time, at least in my childhood or my upbringing, where going to the mall was a cool thing to do. Like you went to the mall to hang out. Like that was a, that was a vibe. It was actually like the cool kids went to the mall. Yep. So I don't know that that's the case anymore. I don't know. I, I I think I think businesses can benefit from from what you said there. So yeah, y'all could have checked to, to to Nikki on it. But even with that, like um, he even mentioned to that point, like why would and here here we go. Bear with me, people. I'm not trying go legal illegal situations. But he said, okay, based off how culture was before with marijuana. What would make people go into the store? Oh, easy. We have things that they don't. Like you, you still going to have a different experience than what you would get anywhere else. Online streets, whatever it is, right? It's so important to figure out what is the experience that you're trying to give to your customers that will make you different regardless of who's doing it. And that that's that's where I was like, I gotta, I gotta pay attention to this. I'm gonna go on a whole tomorrow, like binge on all his interviews. Mm -hmm. Cause it's just like he he's been in the game for like, I think mad years. Um, and how he brings music and cannabis and just the the business side of everything, the internet, like Instagram. He said Instagram was what blew up cookies. Wow. Yeah. And so, and with those three hand in hand, it was, it was the success of cookies. Like his music, uh, his music helped amplify the, the cookie side, which then, then blew up in the internet. It's like, there's always different ingredients that, shows the success of a brand and we just have to figure out our own ingredients while learning from all these others. So, yeah. yep. But going into still talking about uh, ingredients of, you know, brand success, business success, Moose found a really dope clip that I'm going to let him introduce because I can't say the person's name. Yeah, yeah, no. So this young, this young man, and I, I was about to say this guy, but he's really a young man. The guy's only 22 years old, and he's the CEO of a company called Vice, which is basically an AI tech company that helps financial fund managers manage their funds, right? His name is Samir 
Vasavada. And I hope I said that right, but I think it is. So we're going to go with it anyway. Okay. But um, incredible story. I think he's already uh, companies valued at a billion dollars, 22 years old. Yeah. Hold I on, Aaron, hold I'm, on that. <laughs> yeah, crazy story. But um, I was listening to this interview that he did, and then he was talking about some of the mistakes that other young founders make that don't allow them to grow successful. So this is the clip here. There's only one thing that really matters. And like, it's your customers and your product as a result. So maybe two things. Um, other than that, like product and customers, and like, maybe like you can kind of start to think about like, okay, so once you nail product and customers and you've got culture and you know, some of these other things to running a company, um, nothing, none of that other stuff matters, mm -hmm. right? Founders get too obsessed, especially young founders with status. If you can't nail customers and product, you're gonna fail at everything else. Mm -hmm. Like the types of VCs you raise money from, the pedigree of the employees you recruit, the time that you spend on going to founder networking events, all of it, it's a waste of time. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's that's powerful, and I think it's a it's a it's a it's a very good reminder for what really matters in business today. And I think on our live last week, we actually or a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the difference between branding and marketing. Mm -hmm. And you know, we were talking about how marketing a lot of times is used to bring attention. And we understand, of course, that every business needs some level of attention to convert that into traffic and get eyes on their products. Some of the biggest CEOs, when you think of Elon and even say Donald Trump and some of these other people, <coughs> one of the things that they're really good at is being able to capture attention and shift that attention toward their company so that people are always thinking about their brand. It some way, somehow gets them thinking about it. But I love what he's talking about here because mind you, this is, it's different when you, when you start talking about startup and venture capital and that world, it's slightly, yes, it has the same mentality of entrepreneurship, but it's different because you're, it's, it's almost the corporate route of entrepreneurship, if you will. I think that's the best way to describe it. It's the corporate route of entrepreneurship because you still need big backing to be able to go and take your idea, your product, your service, your technology mainstream, right? It's not just trying to create something that you can manipulate any which way and build it and grow it as you wish. You need the backing because one of the main secret ingredients is to be able to grow incredibly fast. All right. It's funny. There was actually someone a couple of months, not a couple of months ago, might've been actually around this time last <laughs> year. And Carl was in on this conversation. He too is also a tech billionaire. And we sat with this guy and he was giving us basically, he had started a big company with one of his college roommates and made an exit after I think 10 or 12 years, got big evaluation, took a lot of money home. And he was telling us that, did I ever tell you about this? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. It's coming back a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So interestingly enough, he was telling us that one of the main things about building in that world is you want to build fast. You want to build quietly because by the time you get discovered, you want to be so far ahead of the competition that no one can catch up with you and really compete with you. That was kind of like one of the main thoughts behind how he looked at the venture world, mm -hmm. right? And so when you listen to what Samir is saying, 
And you talk about one of the biggest upsets or downfalls that stop you from really growing your business to where it's supposed to be. It's you're getting distracted. You're allowing the status, the nice car, the, all these other things to capture your attention. And that takes away from the main thing that you should be doing. So imagine this, you take this billionaire's advice around build fast, build quietly so that you could jump so far ahead that by the time people find out about you, you're too far down the runway for them to catch up versus what happens here where you're getting the attention, but your product isn't as good enough, or you're getting the attention from, you know, whatever you're posting online or sharing with the world, but you're not just as successful or you're not ready, right, to handle the, the, the attention that, or, or whatever the, the issues that come with that type of attention. So I like what he's saying, focus on your customers and your product. And at the end of the day, you can't have a business, a bad business, making those two things, you know, one of your core focus, of course. Agreed. Now I would say the, the thing that I got out of this was more, we have to remember that our brand isn't about us. Right. Like our business isn't about us. Like when he pointed out that, you know, people do it for the status and, you know, I, I have to blame as much as I love social media. I have to blame um, people like Elon Musk and things like that to where it's more of uh, you become a celebrity depending on how successful your business is. Right. If you have a successful business, you're Gucci, like you're going to be up there that people admire and they're, you know, that's something that people seek for, especially yeah. the validation side. But we have to remember that that means nothing if our customers are not happy and our, our products suck. Right. So it it's and the fact that the dude is so young with a billion dollar company, I'm going to listen. I mean, like, I'm going to listen. Like, okay, he even said culture was, like, third or something, right? Mm -hmm. Not even the people who work with you, the team and everything. It's, like, customers, products. The team and all that other stuff, that could come a little bit later. But it, these two, they're not good. Eh, you know what I mean? Eh. So you got you to gotta put priorities into it. Right. You got to understand that our business is not about us and about the status that we could possibly get. If we get it, cool. But if not, you know, are our customers happy? Are they talking about it? Are they our marketing team that we're not paying for? Is the product good? Can it live on its own? Like, once again, people talking about it because it's so good, right? Or so convenient, right? These are things we just have to consider. And uh, yeah, consider those things if you want a successful business. Yeah, man. Now, uh, the conversation I've kind of been waiting for uh, in the segment of this or that. Uh Getting paid what you're worth or getting paid less to be on a guaranteed team. Mm. 
Interesting, interesting, interesting. You like this? Like this, right? So, yeah, yeah. um, I was watching Drink Champs. Yes, I still watch Drink Champs. Depend, uh, despite of all the things that has happened, right? And they had Derek Jeter on, and Nori said something that sparked uh, this conversation, this this or that of, uh, you know, getting paid what you're worth or getting paid with a higher price or guaranteeing yourself on the winning team. So let's, uh, eh, let's, let's, let's talk about it. I got more money or offer over here. And Leo Cohn said, but this is Def Jam. You're going to sell more with me. So I don't care who gives you another one. And I didn't know, I didn't know Def Jam was biting off for the Yankees. And then that was their explanation. You with the Yankees. So it's like, damn, they almost make you pay less to be with the winning team. Makes sense, though. That's a very that's a very interesting point. I mean, I could see both sides, right? From one side of it, you're saying, hey, look, you're going to have a lot more success. You're going to have a lot more exposure. And of course, you're going to win or make more money, maybe not directly, but possibly indirectly, just by being on this side, where you might go over there and they'll pay you more, but they're they know we're number one there's there's a you know there's this desire to do whatever you can to uh to 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 try and build but at the end of the day you know that you're still looking up to the big dog down the street which in this case is either def jam or the yankees but at the same time and it's funny because i saw something earlier this week i think it was on business insider on instagram and they were talking about how uh, you know, millennials or Gen Z, they're not lazy. They're just no longer down with toxic work culture. Mm. Like they're, they're no longer accepting of, oh yeah, you got to work like a dog to be successful and this kind of thing. And they were really trying to show the difference between what was deemed acceptable maybe in the early 2000s versus what the world is today and how so much has changed. And so I think that brings a good argument to this idea of, do I really need to sacrifice everything and accept less money to be on a winning team? Can I not have both? I guess that's, that's, can I not have both? Can I not get what I'm paid, what I'm worth, and also play for the winning team because I'm, I'm, I'm damn good at what I do? So selfishly, I'm going to say both. Can I, can I have both? How can do we you have do both? both? How do you? Can't have both? Because it's like, so by the way, for context, folks, uh, this interview was with Derek Jeter. Yes. Uh, I will talk about the Yankees because we're talking about Derek Jeter. And although I'm still a little hurt from the Yankees, it mm -hmm. is Derek Jeter, which is an automatic pass on everything because he is the captain of the New York Yankees. However, yes. uh, they were talking about when he was a free agent and he was going to resign with the Yankees or wanted to resign and he was entering contract negotiations. And he had one request, which was to keep negotiations private because he didn't want the media to know about it. What the Yankees uh, ownership and front office did was they heard his desire and took the negotiation public anyway mm. as a way of leveling the playing field and saying, hey, 
although you've been with us for 17 years or 16 years or whatever it was at the time, it's still a business and we don't care. Mm. And so honestly, I think when you, when you capture that context all in all, you know, it makes you think a little bit differently about this conversation because I understand this idea of what you did in the past no longer qualifies you maybe for the future, especially in, a, in an area like sports where age is a big factor. But I think when I can't take that same example and think differently about the business world because most people get better with age, right? Okay. And, and obviously, unless you're entering retirement, it's a different scenario. Maybe I don't know. But most professionals are getting better with age. They're getting better with time. So I, on the other hand, would expect both. It's like, okay, not only do I have a strong track record mm-hmm. and I've likely made a lot of sacrifices to create that track record with and for you. Mm-hmm. And we see maybe the direction or the future of where we're headed. Why, why can it not be a fair deal to accept both? Worth good person. and winning team. Yeah, you're such a good person. I am a good person, honestly. And at the end of the day, I still think that's how business should be done. I don't, should I don't, be. yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, I, at the end of the day, that's how I do it. I don't, um, you know, I don't, I don't live by the rules that it's got to be super cutthroat. Um, yeah, I just, I just don't subscribe to it. So it goes back. I'll say this. And I'm torn from this because of just experiences that I've lived, right? Um, but, I, but I'll say this, right? It goes back to a lesson that we spoke about with um, percentages and equity, right? Like uh, owning 100% means nothing if it's not successful, right? So I'd rather have 30% if I know it's going to be successful, right? So if, it, if that is the case and I'm going on a team, and like I said, I'm torn. If I'm going on a team that I know that I could possibly get paid a little bit less, but the opportunities are, are there to make more. and um, the guaranteed sales are there and I'm actually making a whole a, a guaranteed amount compared to maybe if this works or doesn't, this is where you go with more of, you, you kind of go pros and cons with things, right? Because some situations will pay you more so they could build a win- winning team so they could do that to others right they need to create a winning atmosphere so now they have the leverage to be like okay if you go over there cool but over here you're guaranteed these amount and some people love the security some people love the ability to make more based off just having that stamp that that name under their belt, you know, so there is pros and cons because in, in Nori's sense, right? Yeah. He sold a lot of records, but was he 
and, and this this is just hypothetically speaking, but was he the man, the main man of Def Jam, whereas maybe in this other thing, he could be number one and maybe um, later on have a bigger situation. Like, there's a lot of things to consider. I think it's, it's not so easy to say, uh, you know, don't do the, the winning team and get paid less or don't do the higher paying situation, which is your worth. Like, you really have to look at each scenario and the pros and cons and what is going to be best for you in the long term and not just in right now. Right. Because some people will get caught up in the money like, oh, you about to give me this fat check. Great. Right. Uh, but over here, if I wait a little bit longer. I'm guaranteed this for life or something. Right. Mm. So it, I think it's a I think it's a. Situation basis. Because I've done, I've done both. And I've gotten hurt in both. And I've gone, done very well with both, right? Um, it, it's just a matter from that, it's just a matter of really pros and conning your life out. When those mm. situations of, this is the Yankees. This is Def Jam. This is whatever. Is it really worth it? If it is, cool. If it isn't, you will get stuck with the line that he says later, which is the whole, what was it? Loyalty, one way is stupidity. Mm-hmm. Then it becomes that situation. And in that, I'm not cool with it. Just saying that. But there are pro, pros and cons to... Because um, I know, like, so from a videographer, photographer standpoint, right? Um, I've heard that going to the NFL and becoming them actually pays way less than market value. True. But it's the NFL. Like, do you know if I work for the NFL, I can possibly become this player's personal videographer, photographer, or I can get these particular opportunities. Some people do it because of the opportunities, right? Not because of the pay. And... Some people do it for the guaranteed, like, like Nori, the guaranteed sales. I'm guaranteed to be on the chops charts. I'm I'm guaranteed this certain amount. It, if you are more about security, or if you are a risk taker, like it it goes to personality. It goes to what is the best. It's just. I, I don't know. I think I think differently on this one, man, because I think it's actually it's not about security or a risk taker. And or not, let me not say that that way. Okay. It's more about how much are you willing to bet on yourself? 
I think it oh, comes yeah. down more to that. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know if you remember, and you, I'm sure you do. There was a clip with Nipsey where he talked about advice that he got from Ross. Yes. And he he was saying, I I don't want anything more than I'm worth. I don't want anything less than I'm worth. Yeah. I want the true value of what I'm worth. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was the combination of betting on yourself and still walking with integrity because I'm not trying to rob from the market or from the other side just because I can get over on this person. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you a crazy story. There was a time where, it, like in my, say in my consulting and advising business, I was starting to learn the game around, uh, I guess what you can call, let's just say the equity game, mm-hmm. right? And I was, tr- I was trying to justify the value around my contributions into a particular business and the money that I was getting paid for. Mm-hmm. And my personal thought was, I don't want to count the cost or consider the pay and, and give effort based on how much I'm getting compensated because mm-hmm. that goes against who I am. I don't like to be involved in something. And in the back of my mind, there is contracts lingering, pay disputes lingering. Is this, is this going to be worth it lingering? I like to work. I genuinely enjoy working. And so I went to that individual. I had a very simple conversation. I said, hey, look, I think if we're going to continue to progress at this rate, we need to start having dialogue from this retainer situation to an equity situation because I'm now doing things that are building the longevity of this business. And it was, it was without a doubt. This guy, I don't know what he was thinking. I'll say it for him. He was crazy. <laughs> came back, came back a couple weeks later. True story. Kid you not. True story. I'll keep the name anonymous, but this is a true story. Came back and said, look, man, I thought about it. I think you're absolutely right. Let's do 60-40 in your favor. I said, mm. bro, I said, bro, are you crazy? Mm. I said, are you out of your mind? Do you understand what that means for you to give me 60% of your business for me to be involved in it? Mm-hmm. I said, absolutely not. Turn down the offer, Nicks. I turned down the offer. Because it goes against my values. I'm a man of integrity. I'm not going to accept 60% of your business for me to work passively in it or for, for even for me to help you grow it. That's not, that's not right. It, in, in all fairness, at the time, although I know I was doing more and I deserve more than what I was getting at the time, mm-hmm. I did not deserve 60%. I'm not going to say that in other cases, that's not different. Because there's some other cases where <laughs> I might need 90% in okay, some other cases. Okay, talk that talk. <laughs> no, just kidding. But, but in that particular case, 60% was not what I was worth. It was just the honest truth. And as I bring this whole thing full circle, it's like, yo, I think it just comes down to that. We should not, especially people from our era and our generation, and I keep going back to that term, first generation entrepreneurs, we should not get suckered into thinking that Oh, because you're tied to this brand, you got to accept less. I think it should be a situation of both. Mm -hmm. 
be, you get me. So just because, just like I'm associated with you, you're associated with me. Mm -hmm. You get to say, yo, this dude is on my team. Oh, she's on my, you know, Nikki? Yeah, she's on my team. Mm -hmm. You know the one that no one can get to work for? Guess what? She's on my team. You get mm -hmm. to say that too. So in exchange for that, both. I want both. I want what I'm worth and I want the winning team. He's talking spicy, people. Talking spicy. You know, you know I'm, I'm getting on the factual side now. Thanks, spicy. <laughs> I'm actually scared. <laughs> want the I factual. will say, I will say Facts. shout out to the person who you say is crazy because I, I think that was fair because maybe the dude was thinking about the future and understanding your work ethic and knowing that because of you, the business would be truly successful based off your, uh, based off what you do. So maybe the, the dude was just looking in the future and understanding the true worth that you have. So I don't think he was crazy. I think he was on to something. I think you were crazy. Mm, okay. Hey, I'm, I'm open. I'm, I'm open to perspective shifts. I'm, I'm open to saying. it. Yeah. Just yeah. Because I, I can understand. I can understand. <laughs> so people, uh, let us know in the comments, uh, what you would pick, whether it is, uh, a higher paid situation that could possibly be uh, what you're worth or even over what you're worth versus the guaranteed winning team that could uh, possibly give you guaranteed opportunities, uh, guaranteed sales, guaranteed the things you were dreaming about. It's right there. So uh, let us know what you would pick, the money or the winning team. You feel me? But uh, follow us everywhere uh, at Nikki and Moose, whether it is Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, whatever it is. Uh, we appreciate you. Don't forget to leave a review. Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, leave a rating. That whole nine. Moose, final words. Yeah, real quick, I mean, part, I'll give you two parts to final words. Uh, part one, you can have both. <laughs> Just circle back on that one real quick. You can have both. Nah, but in, in all serious, man, in all seriousness, I will say integrity doesn't expire. But I think it's, it's hard to mess up someone's name who's always lived with integrity. So live with integrity. <laughs>